Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, in our Lenten series so far, we've been following Jesus and Peter, and and specifically following them during those uh, first initial events of, of Holy Week, or that is on Monday, Thursday evening. That's where we've been so far. And in those moments where Jesus is taking his final steps toward the cross. And and we'll return to that particular journey next week. But tonight we actually take a step back in time, earlier in Matthew's Gospel, so that we can better understand a pivotal moment that took place between Jesus and Peter during Jesus' ministry. A moment that helps us actually put the events of Holy Week in greater perspective, where tonight we can say it's Jesus, Peter, and me, and it's all about failing to forgive. Well, the fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer, as we just recited, is forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And we love that, don't we? Especially that part about about God forgiving our sins, because that's the gospel. That's what we need to hear. That's why we're, we're in church. We, we need to hear it. We, we love to hear it, that God forgives our sins through Jesus Christ. But what about that second part? As we forgive those who trespass against us. Note, it doesn't say, as we try to forgive those, or as we do our best to forgive those. No, it says, as we forgive those who trespass against us. We forgive. It's what Christians do. You know, Peter probably thought that he looked pretty good when he came to Jesus. You can just almost picture it, can't you? Peter strutting up to Jesus saying, Lord, how often should I forgive my brother who sins against me? As many as seven times? That sounded like a good, complete biblical number, doesn't it? Peter would have known that Jesus would have wanted him to forgive him more than once and and, and more than twice as well. So so what if Peter went all the way to seven times? That sounds like enough. But Jesus corrects Peter's shallow sense of forgiveness and instead tells him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. And there's some debate there whether it's better translated 77 times or or 70 times seven times. But but either way, the point is the same. Jesus says you don't keep count when we're talking about forgiveness. And then to drive the point home, Jesus shares a parable, a parable that we're likely all familiar with. A king forgave his servant a large debt, an insurmountable debt, 10,000 talents worth. Now, a talent was worth 600 denarii, and a denarius was a day's wage. So this man owed him 10,000 times 6,000 days' wages. If you calculate that in today's money, this man owed the king something like $12 billion. But the king forgave him the entire debt. Just think of that weight that must have been pressing down on the man now suddenly lifted off. One would hardly know what to do next. But the servant decided what he wanted to do. He wanted to go and immediately demand from a fellow servant a debt of only a hundred denarii, a hundred days wages. 
And so when he had the chance to act in the same place as his master, when, when he had the opportunity to reflect the generosity and the graciousness that he just received from his king, he instead chose to demand satisfaction of the debt. Of course, when the king heard about this, he summoned the first servant and said, You wicked servant! I forgave you all that debt that you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him over to the jailers until that man work off the debt. And as if Jesus' point in the parable wasn't clear enough, he ends it with this, still speaking directly to Peter as well as speaking directly to us. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Jesus doesn't exactly mince words there, does he? And I don't know about you, but, but I can just immediately feel my defenses going up. We, we may begin to, to justify our own actions and feelings that we're thinking about when we hear that. We might say, well, I forgive but there is that one person, that, that one person who always gets under my skin, that one person who has no regard for me, the one person who, who hurt me so badly, that one person that did something so horrible to me. If you only knew Jesus, that one thing, that one person, then you would understand why I can't forgive them. But if you're waiting for Jesus to give you a pass... If you're waiting for him to soften the blow, to tell you everything's all right, if you don't forgive, then you're going to leave here tonight disappointed. Because Jesus is absolutely clear. If we are living in such a way that we are refusing to forgive the sins of others, if we who have had extraordinary grace shown to us by God, and if we are in a situation where we do not use our lives as opportunities to share that grace with others, then we are to expect on the last day when we stand before God to hear those same words, you wicked servant. And I'll be honest with you, that is a terrifying thought. It is the full weight of God's law crushing the scampering sinners that we are. So what can we possibly do? How can we be sure that we won't end up like the wicked servant being handed over to the prison of hell? Well, let's return to the parable one more time. The gracious king, of course, represents God who forgave us our insurmountable debt, the debt of our sin, which is not only the sins that we commit on a daily basis, but is also our our natural state, our natural sinful state of rebellion and rejection of God, Scripture says. And so we have to realize no matter how hard we could have tried, no matter how long we could have worked at it, no matter how much time God could have given us, we never could have paid off our debt of sin. We would have been just like that first servant before his debt was forgiven, being left as slaves, slaves to sin and the wages of sin, which is eternal death. That is what we deserve. But our king has had incredible mercy on us. 
He has heard our pleas and responded by sending his son, and he doesn't set up a payment plan for us to work off our debt. No, Jesus is the full and sufficient payment. Jesus' precious lifeblood was shed on the cross, and it paid the debt for all of our sins, past, present, and future, and for the sins of the whole world. And so the king gives this to us for free, no strings attached. The heavy burden of our sin is is lifted off of us so that for the first time we are free, free to live in the light of Jesus Christ and his gospel. But this is exactly what that first servant also knew. But the difference is that servant turned away from the gospel. He rejected the joy and the bright light of his life within the gospel. He he rejected the king's forgiveness as he doesn't allow the king's forgiveness to flow through him. Instead, when it came time to, to forgive another person's debt, when it came time for him to mirror his gracious king, when it came time for the sweet rush of the gospel to flow through him to others, he chose instead to turn back to the exacting demands of the law. The law which says that satisfaction for the debt must be paid. And the point is this, that when we choose to take ourselves out of the light of the free gift of the gospel, what we are doing is asking God to judge us by the law as well. That if we use the law to demand satisfaction from others, then God says he will do the same with us. That's how it works. We can't have it both ways. When someone sins against us, we respond with the gospel, not the law, because we see how beautiful it is when God deals with us according to the gospel. We forgive even when it's the 77th or the 78th or the 79th time, because we know that in heaven right now, God is not counting our debt against us. Now the question needs to be asked, what then do I do when I realize I haven't been forgiving others as I should? What will God do with me? And the answer is living in the light of the gospel does not mean that we are perfect at forgiving others. Otherwise, we are simply turning our forgiveness, our act of forgiving someone, into a work that earns our salvation, and that's not the gospel. This side of heaven, we know that we aren't perfect, that we are simultaneously saint and sinner, that we do still have an old sinful nature that is constantly clinging to us and that we are contending with on a daily basis. So we aren't perfect at forgiving. Now, that doesn't mean that we get to use that as an excuse not to forgive someone. We don't say, well, I know I'm a sinner, so that means I don't have to forgive you. No, rather, what it means is that when we realize we've been failing to forgive someone, we repent. We go to God and we ask for forgiveness. We call our sin what it is, rather than excuse it. And our extraordinarily gracious king, as this parable shows us, shows us that when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We receive forgiveness 
when we sin by not forgiving. And then, as we live in the light of the gospel and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we bear fruit in keeping with that repentance. And so, with God's help, we keep on working, even when it's difficult, to forgive our brothers and sisters imperfect as we may be. Now, there's another common objection that many people have, which is, but I don't feel like I can forgive them. And that's not something to take lightly or or to brush off. That is True, sometimes people do hurt us so badly in this lifetime. The wound is so deep or the pain has been so frequent that we cannot in our wildest imaginations conceive of forgiving that person. And so here it's helpful to make a distinction. That there's a difference between feeling like forgiving someone and deciding to forgive someone. We are called as Christians to be in tune with our will that is shaped by God's will, a will that is only possible because of the Holy Spirit at work within us so that we may decide to forgive another person even when we do not feel like it. Our sinful nature compels us to want to hold on to the hurt that someone else has caused us. We want to hang on to that pain, to to hold that grudge, maybe even retaliate in some way. After all, don't they deserve it? But forgiving someone means choosing to release them from what they deserve and instead offering them precisely what they don't deserve, which is what forgiveness is. No one earns forgiveness. It is a gift of grace. And that's exactly what God has done for each of us. So we heard in our Old Testament reading as well tonight, when when Joseph, who, who had every right to destroy his brothers for what they had done to him after their father died, he answers their plea for mercy and says to them, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? But what's interesting is that Joseph, in a way, was in the place of God. He was a a ruler of Egypt. He was a savior of the land from famine. He was helping his family survive. But you see, God put him there, and God didn't place him in this position to exact revenge from his brothers and to give them what they justly deserved. Rather, just like the servant in the parable, Joseph was put in his position to show them grace just as God has shown, had shown him and has shown us grace. That with God's help, Joseph and Peter and us, we are able to forgive even the unforgivable. Because that's what God has done with us. Living in the light of the gospel doesn't mean that we'll always feel like forgiving, nor does it mean that we'll always forgive perfectly. Only God can forgive perfectly. Sometimes forgiveness is something that we need to work at over time and ask for God's help. It's only possible with God's help. It's only possible by remembering the God who satisfied the demands of the law on our behalf by sending his son Jesus, who paid all of our debt and has forgiven you and me, not counting our sin against us. And this is what brings it back now tonight to Jesus and Peter. I wonder if Peter and the other disciples thought back to this moment from our gospel reading. Thought back to this moment from Jesus' ministry when he was teaching them about what it means to forgive. 
I wonder if they thought about that, that moment of forgiveness, when they approached the cross, their Savior hanging from the cross, and and they heard him say the words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Peter and the disciples must have been astonished to hear Jesus speak such words of absolute forgiveness over his enemies, no less. But our Lenten series has focused on Peter's sins and shortcomings, not to berate him or or to set ourselves above Peter, but rather to see ourselves in Peter, and then to reflect upon our own sin and our own shortcomings. And Peter may have been standing under the, the cross that day, wondering, I have fallen short of my Lord. I have denied him. I have run away. How could he ever forgive me? But then he hears Jesus speak those words of forgiveness over his enemies. And Peter would come to understand that Jesus forgives everyone, including him and including us. And so the same is true for us. Jesus has forgiven you all of your sins, even your failure to forgive others. Just look to the cross and see how much Jesus loves you you. This is our Lenten journey, and this is the story of Jesus, Peter, and each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.